Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Cubic. I want to talk to you. We're going to start a series titled, It's Okay to Be Broken. Everybody repeat after me. It is okay, okay. to be broken. Okay. Now, what it's not okay to be is to stay broken. Jesus Christ came so that we could be unbroken, so we could be made whole. But there's still a brokenness in us that needs to happen to keep us in a position of favor with God. Amen? So we're broken from our past broken to achieve our future so it's okay if we're broken in our past as long as we're moving towards being broken to achieve what God has accomplished for our future everybody understand and so I want to talk about that over the next four weeks how we have but we are both broken been called to brokenness and how in our brokenness God uses us to heal the broken around us and so, today's lesson, I'm going to start very base, is the blessing of brokenness. The blessing of brokenness. And just so you know, this whole series is going to come out of Luke 7, starting in verse 36. But I'll get there in a second. I'm here to tell you, the reason I'm talking about this, because I, well, one, because I feel like I was, this is what I'm supposed to be talking about. But we are a broken people. I look at this church, I look at the first service, second service, third service, I look at the church as a whole, I look at society as a whole, and we carry ourselves a lot of times as though we are broken. And it's because we've been told lies about who we are, uh, we have been misrepresented, our, our struggles are real due to addictions or maybe abusive relationships or lack of finances, whatever the issue is, all of us have some piece of brokenness in us. It might just be that someone told you you were stupid enough long enough for you to believe that you're stupid. Because can I tell you, anything that you hear, you grow your faith in, right? Right? Right. So all of us are broken. We're all broken folks. But I'm here to tell you, in your brokenness, where you would normally say, because I am broken, I am not enough. I'm here to tell you that in your brokenness, you're not just enough, you're blessed. If you move towards brokenness for the purpose of God. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. Nobody understood the blessing of brokenness in my mind the way that King David understood brokenness. He King David was the man after God's own heart. The greatest king of all of Israel. You go to Israel now, I went to Israel in 2017, they'll still tell you, King David is the, is the greatest king that Israel's ever had. He was the greatest king, he was a great warrior, he was a great leader, but he was jacked up. He was broken. 
no other point in his life did his brokenness show than when he took Uriah's wife Bathsheba from him, laid with her, got her pregnant. To cover up the pregnancy, had Uriah, her husband, murdered and covered that up. Now, I, I consider myself pretty broken, but I've never been that broken. I've never done anything like that. But you know what the thing is? The thing about sin is to God, to speak evil of another person is to murder them. So to God, I've done those things. And so here's David having done this horrible thing. And God, through the prophet Nathan, calls him out. And he gets so broken over this that he writes Psalms 51. And when I say broken, I mean the good kind of broken. He's crushed in his spirit. If you ever get a chance, go read Psalm 91. If you ever want to know how do I truly repent, go read Psalm 91. I said 91, 51. And then this happened. God restored him. In his brokenness, God restored him. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says this, And David said to Nathan, who was the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has allowed your sin to pass. You shall not die. I need you to pay attention to that for just a second. Because we think we have to climb on our knees up rock steps, crawl on our hands and knees for miles, beat ourselves to death with a cat of nine tails, just really slaughter our personal opinion of ourselves to be forgiven of God. It's not true. To be forgiven of God, you have to have a brokenness in your spirit, a repentance in your spirit. And when you have a repentance and ask for forgiveness, God immediately forgives you. Did you hear me? God immediately forgives you. And those sins he has forgiven, he's forgotten about. I think this is one of the greatest blessings is that we don't have to beg over and over and over. His mercies are brand new every day. I, I make a confession of a sin. I repent of it in brokenness, in a truly reverent way, understanding the weight of my sin. And it says that he immediately forgives. David said this, I have sinned against the Lord. I thought David sinned against Uriah. I thought David sinned against the people. I thought David sinned against Bathsheba or his kids. In fact, he did. But let me tell you, he dealt with the biggest sin first. He said, I have sinned against God. I don't care what your sin is, how big or small you perceive it, it's a sin first against God. You have rebelled in the face of a holy God and deserve death for that. 
This is why I think this is why I think that way. Well, one, that's what the, what the Bible tells us. But this this is how I see that. God is holy, which means he's absolutely perfect. There's no imperfection in him. And he has declared to us in the scripture about how he expects us to be holy too. It's the whole purpose for the law, to show the holiness of God and how we're supposed to obtain to that standard and how we couldn't obtain to that standard. So in the New Testament, he sends Jesus. Amen? Every time we don't meet the standard of God, we show other people an imperfect God through us. Because people say, I'm a Christian, they're going to believe you when you say that. And then they're going to start watching you, and they're going to start judging you, and they're going to start judging the God in you based on you. And any time that we make God look bad, when we blaspheme against God or do something to cause other people to blaspheme against God, our greatest sin is first against God. So he repented and said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has allowed your sins to pass. You shall not die. Do you see the immediacy in that? He didn't have to beg. He just had to have a reverential, repentant spirit. Amen? And in that reverential, repentant spirit, he went from unusable to usable and sincere, pliable in the hands of God. He wasn't the greatest king till after this happened. Not only that, but God restored him in this sin. You want to know how I know? You know what the last thing it says about David in the scripture? It says that when he was an old man, he was sick. And was laying in bed. And they found a young virgin. Caused her to be naked and lay next to him to keep him warm. <clears throat> and it says this very specifically. And she left the bed as she went in. Which means she left that bed as pure as she was when she got in it. God used his brokenness to redeem him from his sin. And in that redemption, he was able to overcome whatever it was that was trying to overcome him. But that happens in our brokenness. That's why we're blessed to be broken because God can use the broken can you hear me I don't know what you've gone through I don't know what you've seen some of us grew up with money and we've not had any real hardship some of us have had addictions some of us have been victims of abuse but regardless the Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us are broken. But when we sincerely and reverentially come before God, broken, He forgives us. Oh, it's so good. Immediately. And then doesn't ask you to ask for forgiveness again for that sin. Unless you commit that sin again, let's be clear. Amen? And so we, we have this same promise of blessing that David had. 
And I hope to show you that out of Luke 7. The whole series will be coming from Luke 7 through 8, 3, starting in verse 36. But today I'm just going to speak out of Luke 7, 36 through 39. And they read like this. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited him, him being Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man, talking about Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. So that Pharisee all doesn't he know that Jesus, doesn't Jesus know that she's broken? Yeah. But you know what? The blessed of brokenness is that it draws us to Jesus anyway. Brokenness draws us to Jesus. Let me, let me read the piece here I'm talking about. Now, one of these Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Let me make sure everybody understands what brokenness is. To be broken, crushed, torn in your spirit over sin. When was the last time, might I ask, you were torn in your spirit over your sin? I'm not going to ask when the last time you sinned was, because that's probably sometime this morning or yesterday. But when was the last time that you were so torn in even that small sin that wherever Jesus was, you had to search him out and be in his presence? This is what God calls us to do. This is how we're blessed when we recognize that our brokenness draws us to Jesus. Our healing. I want to make sure I get these words right. Our healing is dependent upon our spiritual brokenness. I'm calling us to repentance today. You hear what I'm saying? I'm calling us to repentance today. 1 Corinthians 17. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So let me give you the equation for this. Rightful sorrow brings repentance 
and repentance brings salvation. Wrongful sorrow only brings one thing, and that is death. We have to be a people that are repentant. We have to recognize the true weight of our sin. We have to get on our face before God. We have to hunt Him down, search Him out. It doesn't matter what we have to do to get to Him. Break the door down of your heart. You better start paying attention to the sin in our life. Because if we don't, we're going to cause a callus to grow on our hearts to where we don't recognize that sin anymore. The most dangerous thing a Christian can do is ignore the sin they've just committed. Because like any other callus, it's going to get thicker and thicker and thicker until the Holy Spirit himself is going to have a hard time talking to you. Because you will have stopped listening to him altogether. We have to recognize that in repentance, in sorrow, there is repentance. In repentance, there is salvation. That's where the blessing is. Let me tell you the blessing. Matthew 3, 5, or 5, 3, and 4. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who recognize the depravity of their sin. Just so you know. Blessed are those that understand the true magnitude of their sin. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, those who have godly sorrow over their sin. So blessed are those who understand their sin, and blessed are those who have sorrow over their sin. For they shall be comforted. You want to inherit the kingdom of God? Raise your hand if you want to inherit the kingdom of God. Raise your hand if you want to be comforted by the Spirit of God. Amen. You know how that happens? That happens when we're poor in spirit and when we mourn our sin. Do you understand the blessing in that? That we get to spend eternity with Christ Jesus because we recognize the repentance of our heart, we recognize our sin, and we pour ourselves out to God because of it? We come into a relationship with a God that we don't deserve to know in our brokenness. We see our lack. And I'm not talking about some repentance that's flippant or thin. And I'm sure we've all either said it or seen it where somebody goes, Oh, yeah, man, I, I'm sorry about that, God. I, sh I shouldn't have done that. You save your breath with that trash. Because until you hover over your sin and understand your weight, you don't know what to ask forgiveness for. How, many, how would you like your kids every time your kids did something wrong? Come up and go, oh yeah, I'm sorry, Dad. And then just walk away from you like you're crazy. Because that's what we do to God when we don't understand the full weight of the sin that we carry. When we don't have true sorrow over our sin. I can't remember who said it, but I, th I think it was... Oh, I can't remember. But he said you have to hover over your sin until you recognize it and then the Holy Spirit dig it out of you. We don't hover anymore. We got a microwave world. We want to microwave Jesus. We'll spend time in our prayer closet asking God what David asked God. Search me, O Lord. We don't lay in our bed at night and examine our ways like David did. And we wonder why we're upside down, why we're a hot mess, why we're still in our temporal brokenness 
and not in our spiritual brokenness. Because spiritual brokenness is a good thing. You guys get that, right? That's why we're blessed in it. But our temporal brokenness isn't. But you're never going to get out of your temporal brokenness until you get into your spiritual brokenness. Woo. But let me tell you, you can't be blessed in your brokenness until you're more worried about your redemption than you are about your own reputation. The Pharisee was more worried about his reputation than he was his redemption. There's two reasons why the Pharisee likely had him in his house. Neither one of those were for the purpose of redemption, for actually getting to know Jesus. One, I think, is probably tradition. It was a tradition in that time to have traveling rabbis into your home if you were a Pharisee because it built up your status. And the more that they were known, the better status you had. And Jesus was a well-known rabbi. So this Pharisee probably invited him into his house just so he looked good. How many of you guys inviting people or Jesus into your house just to look good? How many of you guys showed up at this house just to look good? Because let me tell you, you're doing the same thing this Pharisee did. And you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God or be comforted by the Spirit in it. I just want you to be right. I'm not trying to talk hard to you. I want us all to get there. I told you all last week, man, I don't want to have the conversation with God. Why is that, why is that dude over there in that line and you're over here in this line? Couldn't do it. I don't know if I could stand it. So it was for that reason or to mock or trap Jesus. There are several instances in the Scripture where they would find themselves Pharisees and uh, scribes in the presence of Jesus to try to trap him into saying something to show himself blasphemous. So one of these reasons is the reason why that Pharisee likely invited him there. Not because he wanted to be redeemed, but because he was worried about his reputation. Because he wanted to look good or make himself look better than Jesus. Without Jesus, you're not good, and you'll certainly never be better than he is. We have to do the same thing that this woman did. Concern ourselves with our redemption over our reputation. And that redemption only happens in Christ Jesus. Did you hear me? Redemption, that's a big fancy Christian word. What does that mean? That means to buy. If you redeem something, you bought it. I redeemed that. It belongs to me now. Romans 6.18 says you are a slave to sin, now a slave to righteousness. You know how that happened? That happened because Jesus Christ died for you. He redeemed you with the power of his own blood. He spilt blood, which was the price of your sin, which is death. Became sin so that you wouldn't have to worry about carrying the weight of your own sin. Am I speaking English? Because we should be celebrating this. That the holy, magnificent, beautiful, lovely, I, I, I don't have the, the vocabulary to describe how awesome Jesus is, stepped down out of heaven and humbled himself, even to the point of a cross, so that we could have the hope of eternal life. 
This is why we're blessed, because it puts us in the front, in front of Jesus, our brokenness does. So that we can recognize that it's only in Him that our redemption happens. It's only in Him, because of the shedding of His precious blood, the most precious commodity in all of the universe. He gave for us, instead of destroying us. I've told you this before, you know how you determine the value of something? How much you're willing to pay for it. Like the Reddit stock. You guys saw all that Reddit stock stuff on the internet? Like $20 billion worth of Reddit stock? It has no intrinsic value. But you know why they paid it? Because they were willing to. Value is determined by what you're willing to pay for it. Which means that Jesus thinks you're the most valuable thing in the universe to him because he gave the most valuable thing he had for you. That's the blessing of brokenness, that it draws us to Christ. But not only draws us to Christ and that he shed his blood for us, not only that he, he became sin so that we wouldn't have to face the penalty of that sin, but that in his death and in his curse he was placed in the ground defeated the enemy completely rose again showed himself to like 500 and something people and now is at the right hand of the father making intercession on your behalf man that's good ooh, ooh. right He's making intercession on your behalf because you're still doing stupid stuff. When I say you, I mean us. The Bible says he's the first fruits of the resurrection. You know what that means? It means he is the essentially the seal, the proof that a harvest is coming. Because you send the first fruits to prove the fruit prove the harvest so he's the first fruits of our resurrection according to 1 Corinthians 15 20 through 22 God is so so good to us 1 Timothy 2 5 and 6 says this for there is one God one mediator also between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. You know what a mediator is? I wrote this, this. This is the actual Bible dictionary definition. One who intervenes between two in order to restore peace, friendship, or to authorize a covenant. Because we were enemies of God, separate from him for all of eternity. None of us knew to search after him. In fact, according to Romans chapter 3, none of us searched after him. But praise God, he searched after us. A true heart of repentance, brokenness, is blessed because it draws us into the presence of an almighty God. Who, according to Acts 4.30 or 4.12, is the only name that saves under heaven and earth. 
understanding of his work, we are driven to worship. So the second point I want to make today is that our brokenness, the blessing of our brokenness, is that it draws us to worship. Let me read this text again to you for the next piece of text. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. She worshipped him. She came in, walked into a room she wasn't supposed to be in. As a sinner in a Pharisee's house, you understand the risk that she took to worship? Because she knew that in her brokenness, he was the only thing that could help her. Busted that vial, poured that perfume out on his feet, washed his feet with her own tears, and rubbed, dried his feet with her hair. Let down her own glory to glorify him. The Bible says that the the hair of a woman is her glory. So she let down her own glory that Christ might be glorified. That's totally, that's, that's giving up everything she is and everything she has. Because one thing, she realized that she was exactly who they said she was. A woman in a place that wasn't where she should be a sinner unworthy of his presence but still given access and so we worship we worship because we know everything exists because of him this is one of my favorite verses in the text of scripture Colossians 1.16 says for by him all things were created both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. By, through, and for. One of my favorite words there. By him, through him, everything was made. Everything high, everything low everything that can be seen, everything that can't be seen, every authority that's ever been established. People ask me, why do you have peace in times like these? Because this verse exists. And if it's in this Bible, it's uncompromisable and it's absolutely true. But you know what makes me happiest about this verse? It says, and for him. For him. You know why I drive the truck I drive? You know why I bought it for myself? Because I like it. It's comfortable. It drives good. It's got heated seats. It's got heated steering wheel. It's got XM radio. It's fancy. It's got the full rollback sun thing, which I don't particularly care for because the sun comes in and it shows the top of my head bald. But I bought it for me. You know why I bought the house I live in? For me. Because I like my house. I like the way it's laid out. I like to spend time in it. I like who's in it with me. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. Because he made everything for himself, for his own enjoyment. The creator of the universe made you for his enjoyment. Man, that's so good. When he could have destroyed you. That's worthy of any praise that you can put in your mind. Not only do we do that because he created us, but because as this woman, we've learned of him. She had to learn of him before she, before she could go worship him. What do you know about God? What do you know about Jesus? Because let me tell you, the more you know, more on your face you'll be or on your back I, I, I wrote down some of the things that I just I know of God but first let me tell you he's merciful he's loving he's gracious he's kind these are all from the word of God he's all powerful all present all-knowing. If he's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, he's determined to pour his love and mercy and grace out on me, he deserves to be praised. He deserves to be worshipped. And a person who is broken will spend that time worshipping. But the scripture also says he's faithful and true. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the foundation. He's the horn of our salvation, which means the strength of our salvation. And if he's the strength of your salvation, that means you're not the strength of your salvation. He's the creator, the father, the strong tower, our peace. And according to Hebrews 4.10, our rest. I don't know about you, but I could stand some rest from time to time. And the spirit of God provides it. The more that I know, the more that I know I need to worship. Amen. Finally. Brokenness dismisses criticism. This last verse, and now, and when now, when the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, because he he wasn't man enough to say it out loud. If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Brokenness dismisses criticism. Can I tell you the most heartbreaking thing I see almost every week? Is people more concerned, so concerned about who's in the room that they never enter it. Because they think, what's he doing? He's a, he's a sinner. Or worse than that, I thought he was thought he was a servant or a leader in the church. Is he a sinner? What's he doing? I wouldn't enter that room. What are people going to think about me? If she could have done that, she'd have never been blessed like she was blessed. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to dismiss criticism for a moment. And the next service can just wait. We're running a little behind, but that's it'll be all right. I want you to dismiss the criticism in the room. Let whatever happens in the next few moments happen between you and God 
and let everybody else be the background noise that they are anyway. And I'm going to ask those of you that are willing to and capable of to come forward and spend some time in worship and praise at the altar. You may not need anything from God. You may need to give your life to the Lord. You may just want to say thank you that I have breath in my lungs today. But I'm going to ask you as an exercise of faith to dismiss the criticism and enter the room.